The Sacramento Kings just keep on winning, especially here inside the Golden One Center, where the Kings have won four straight and are now 10-3 and on their home floor this season. Tonight, they win thanks to a monster triple-double from DeMontis Sabonis, which, surprise, surprise, nobody in the national media is talking about. But don't you worry. We'll discuss it right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. Ladies and gentlemen, your Kings are 16 and 9 this season seven games above 500 it is their best start through 25 games since the 2004 2005 season and take into consideration the context of De'Aaron Fox missing multiple games with his ankle injury he returned tonight after he missed last game with a shoulder injury the Kings have dealt with injuries to Keegan Murray the Kings have also not shot the ball nearly as well this season to start the year as they did last season and in fact, in three-point shooting uh, wise, especially with catch-and-shoot three-pointers, which was a major strength of this Kings team last year, they've been towards the bottom of the league. The defense is definitely improving. They're in the middle of the pack defensively. Overall, their net rating uh, is down compared to where it was last year when the Kings had their historic offense. But here they are, a better team with a better record through 25 games than they were last season. And one of the major reasons for that is because of how they're playing here inside the Golden One Center. Now, of course, it helps that the Kings are playing in front of the best fans in the NBA. Of course, it helps that the Kings are playing in front of a crowd that sells out a game on a Monday night, a rainy, stormy Monday night here in Sacramento with the Kings taking on a Washington Wizards team that is absolutely dreadful. And I mean that as no disrespect to the Wizards or Wizards fans. Jordan Poole had a big night. It's fitting that Poole had a big night on a night that wasn't the playoffs, that didn't really matter, and I do intend that as a little bit of a shot because those of you who watched the Kings playoff games against the Warriors like I did earlier this year know that when Jordan Poole was on the floor, typically good things were happening for the Sacramento Kings in that series against the Warriors. Well, now as part of the Wizards, Poole has a green light to do whatever he wants, and that usually means he does some silly things. Tonight, he had a pretty solid night. He was raining down threes. Kyle Kuzma usually plays really well in Sacramento, mostly because... It it feels like he's auditioning for the Sacramento Kings every single time he plays. He's been connected to the Kings in rumors and conversations for a while. And it looked like early on in this game, Kuzma was going to have one of those, hey, you should assign me type games. Ultimately, he didn't play bad. But even with he and, and Poole playing pretty well offensively and the Wizards having a great night offensively overall, they still were down by 26 points at one point in this game. And don't let the final score 143 to 131 fool you. This game was not that close. The Kings were basically in control from start to finish of this one. And they have been so good 
here inside the Golden 1 Center, which was a real key for them this year, something that I discussed a lot heading into this year. The Kings were a surprise, not only were they a surprising great team and a surprising third seed last season, what was even more surprising was how much better this team was on the road than they were at home. We discussed that a lot with Kings head coach Mike Brown during training camp and, and during preseason. And one of the things he said, and you're going to hear from Coach Brown, you're going to hear from De'Aaron Fox, and you're going to hear from DeMontis Sabonis talking about the Kings playing at home so far this season a little bit later on in this segment. But Mike talked about how at times the Kings almost, or the, or the players almost relied too much on the energy of the Golden 1 Center crowd instead of creating their own energy. That's something they did really well on the road last season was they created their own energy that resulted in winning. In Sacramento, sometimes they would rely too heavily on the Kings crowd, and when their opponents would take the crowd out of the game, the Kings at times were taken out of the game. Well, that has not been a problem so far with the Kings. Like I mentioned in the intro, four straight wins at home, 10-3. and three on their home floor so far this season. Their numbers at home are, are, are pretty staggering. Now, these numbers are coming into tonight that I'm about to, to, to read you. So they've been updated and they've even improved since then with the 143-point performance that the Kings had tonight. But the Kings, coming into tonight, were averaging 122 points per game at home and only 111, rounded up, 112 points per game on the road. So nearly... 10 points per game difference here inside Sacramento. The Kings have been averaging 30 assists on their home floor per game. That 30 assist number is really important, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. That 30 is the sweet spot for assists for Sacramento. And then they're shooting at home. They're shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three-point range. Their free throw shooting could be better, 73% from the free throw line at home compared to 45% on the road, uh, um, 41% from three-point range, 75% from the, uh, the the free throw line. So the Sacramento Kings numbers at home, very strong, very encouraging, and it's great to see them handling their business on their home floor. That being said, that's going to be put to the test because their next three games here to wrap up this six-game homestand are very tough. You have the Boston Celtics coming in here on Wednesday. You have the Phoenix Suns. Yes, you've beaten them, but you did so without Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin is expected to be playing on Friday. And then after that, on Saturday, you're taking on a Timberwolves team. Yes, you beat the Timberwolves in Minnesota. I think that's the only loss that the Minnesota Timberwolves have had at home so far this season. But the T-Wolves are at the top of the West. They're the best team in basketball right now for a reason. And we've, we know very well by now, second night of a back-to-backs have been dreadful for the Kings so far this year. So there's rightfully there, there rightfully should be some, some concern or some nerves about Saturday night's game, but three games against three top-tier elite opponents here inside the Golden 1 Center. But the Kings, if they're going to become a great team, if they're going to become a true contender, they don't have to be the favorite every single time they play at home, unless they are the best team in the league, right? But they should be expected to win. They should provide an environment where opposing teams are coming in and going, this is going to be really difficult for us, right? The Kings should not balk at playing a top team in the league 
on their home floor compared to maybe how they would on the road. And the Kings did a good job defeating the defending champion Denver Nuggets here in Sacramento earlier this season. Granted, the Nuggets were playing on a second night of a back-to-back. The Kings need to defend their home floor against everybody, the best of the best, and, in a case like tonight, the worst of the worst. And sometimes, I think I speak for a lot of Kings fans, we feel more confident with the Kings playing the best of the best at home versus the worst of the worst. This Wizards team beat Sacramento last year. In fact, it was the game where DeMontis Sabonis broke his thumb. And I remember a lot of us going, oh God, this is the night where the Kings are off to a great start. The vibes are good. This is a night where everything falls apart because we didn't know if Sabonis was going to need surgery and was going to be out for a long period of time, right? That was a, a dark day for the Kings, losing to the Wizards on this home floor. Well, tonight, they dominated. They looked like the better team that we know they are. And they, they, they were in full control of this game. Now, if I had to pick anything to be, uh, or, or the, like the main thing to complain about, there's, there's certain things to be nitpicky about with tonight's game, but the main complaint that I have is that the Kings let off the gas defensively. Like, they, they exploded uh, in the third quarter, 46 points in the third quarter. They looked phenomenal in that quarter, built a 26-point lead. From that point, they allowed the, uh, the 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 Wizards to chip away and chip away. The Wizards ended up scoring 40 points in the fourth quarter to, again, make this final score more respectable than it actually was. The Kings should have blown the Wizards out by at least 20 points, really probably 30, with how well that they were playing and how poor the Wizards' defense was. But defensively, the Kings te- uh, took their foot off the gas a little bit. But still... The Kings are playing very, very well at home. That's really encouraging. Let's hear from De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and Mike Brown, who I asked all three of them about how they've been playing, like a progress report on how they're playing so far at home. Fox, 10-3 and three at home now. I know that was a point of emphasis coming into this season, just uh, I guess how much of an emphasis was it and how pleased are you guys so far with how you've been performing at home to start the year? A uh, big thing was like was, was JaVale just talking about uh, being able to protect home court and um, I feel like we've done a pretty good job at that uh, so far, but um, I think this next three game stretch is, is, is extremely important for us, and uh, we have to prove that we can really win at home, especially against these teams that are about to come in here. So um, it, it's important because come playoff time, if you're able to win at home, especially if you're the team that has the home court advantage, you know that um, that's a that's a big plus that you have going into it. So uh, for us, we have to be better at home. Obviously, we were we were really good on the road last year, so we want to continue that. But also, being a better home team just makes us a better team overall. Uh, it's been great, you know. We played some tricky games, you know. Obviously, teams with not great records, but those are tough games in the NBA. So I'm happy we came out focused and uh, took care of business. And now we have um, a tough next three games, you know. Hopefully, everyone's in rhythm and in shape, you know. And we're, we're gonna have to come out and fight. They're not gonna be easy. Uh, we're doing good, you know. I think we have the best fans in the NBA, and guys should be excited to play in this building, and they should get energy from the fans. And we have to take advantage of it when we're here, and they're trying to do it the right way, you know. We were four and one in this five game span of ours. We keep track of the, you know, our mini season or mini season within a season. And for us to go get this one tonight uh, was was really good. And you know, in my opinion, it's it's always thanks to the fans because when something good happens out on that floor, they get louder and louder, which energizes us. And hopefully, we can continue. Shame on me for taking this long to talk about DeMontis Sabonis and his night. 28 points, 11 of 16 shooting, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, only two turnovers. These are not normal numbers, people. In fact, uh, De'Aaron Fox 
in his post-game press conference, made sure to point that out. Like, this is, this is not something that you can just take for granted like so many people do, right? They cherry-pick Sabonis' bad games or cherry-pick Sabonis's uh, nights where Sabonis struggles, even though those are pretty few and far between. He's a double-double machine, right? He has 21 double-doubles this season out of 25 games. He's tied for second in the league in double-doubles behind only Nikola Jokic. It's his 17th triple-double as a Sacramento King. That's the most in the sack era, right? Like, since the Sacramento Kings have acquired DeMondis Sabonis, he has been a double-double and triple-double machine for this Kings team. Yet, that does not matter to so many people. These are numbers that you cannot take for granted, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the ringer. I'm looking at Kevin O'Connor. I'm looking at uh, the, the the Bleacher Report team and and the article that they wrote where Demontis Sabonis is the most overrated player in the NBA. Right? They comment after the Warriors series, which apparently was the only Kings basketball they watch, and apparently the only Kings basketball that they continue to watch. Because on a night like tonight, where Demontis Sabonis dominates, has a triple double, and is a part of a Kings team that is. Seven games over 500, it's crickets. You're not going to hear a damn thing from them. So allow them to continue to cherry-pick DeMontis Sabonis and his numbers and his productivity all that they want to because the Kings know what they have. The Kings players understand what they have, and that's someone who over the course of this homestand has set the tone for the Kings. Once again, Sabonis has the best stat line of the night, a triple-double, but he's not the leading scorer on the Kings. He very much could have been. Like, Sabonis was, there's nothing the New York, or excuse me, the, the Washington Wizards could do to stop Sabonis, just like there was nothing that the Utah Jazz could do to stop Sabonis. But Domas is not a selfish player. Somas does not, uh, Domas does not stat hunt. He does not look for his shots. He makes the right play. And that's what Mike Brown made sure to point out post-game. And he talked about like a similarity to LeBron James when he was coaching LeBron in Cleveland. There were criticisms of LeBron at one point in time where he wasn't taking the last shot enough in a big game. It was because LeBron was reacting to a double or sometimes triple team that was thrown at him, finding the open man in the corner who sometimes made the shot, sometimes missed the shot. But Mike's, what Mike said was LeBron in those moments made the right play. DeMontis Sabonis is more than capable of scoring 30 points if he wants to, but he makes the right play, which is getting his teammates involved, getting De'Aaron Fox the ball when Fox is doing his thing, which, by the way, De'Aaron Fox had 30 points tonight, feeding Keegan Murray if Keegan's hot, finding Kevin Herter on the perimeter if he's open, hitting Harrison Barnes in the corner if he's open, playing a two-man game with Malik Monk. DeMontis Sabonis is the glue guy. He fills the holes. He does what needs to be done for the Sacramento Kings to win. And he doesn't care if it takes away from his numbers. And what's crazy is, more often than not, by playing the way that Sabonis plays, he gets more impressive stat lines. He gets these triple doubles compared to someone who could average 28, 29 points a game and maybe 11 or 12 rebounds, but only four or five assists like some of these other centers that we see in the league. Sabonis is a special, special player. And I love that over the course of this homestand, he's been setting the tone for the Kings. He might not have the best numbers and and, and be the leading scorer for the Kings. He hasn't been at any point during this homestand. But in all these games, it's Sabonis 
that is establishing himself on the inside, drawing the defenses in, and then working the ball to the outside to the perimeter where the Kings shooters are waiting. It's Sabonis setting the hard screens to give Fox or Monk or whoever it is space. It's Sabonis who's getting a defensive rebound, running the full length of the floor to not allow the defense to set up, allowing Fox or Monk or whoever it is to play off ball and get a good open shot. Sabonis makes the right plays for the Sacramento Kings. That's why he is the right center for the Sacramento Kings. And, of course, an all-NBA center to boot. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports and the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The best part about Prize Picks is just you versus the projected numbers. You're not taking on other players, especially those sharks and those pros out there that you have to worry about. No, it's just you versus the projections. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less or do more or less than the Prize Picks projection. For example, you you could have picked a com- combination of points, rebounds, and assists tonight for DeMontis Sabonis. If you hit more, you won. Plus, you could take less on scoring for certain players or a combination of, of total three-pointers made for De'Aaron Fox or Kyle Kuzma tonight. There's so many fun and, and, and interesting ways for you to play prize picks. They give you quick withdrawals, so when you win, you get your money quickly. It's so much fun to play. It's also really simple to play. You can make your selections right before a game in 60 seconds or less. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100, meaning you deposit $100, use code LockedOnNBA. Here's an extra $100 for you to play and have fun on prize picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How about the big three for the Sacramento Kings tonight? We already talked about the massive night that DeMontis Sabonis had. Then you had De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray doing their things. De'Aaron Fox tonight, 30 points. I'll be completely honest with you, I didn't realize he had another 30 bomb, right? He had just one point in the first quarter, kind of reestablishing himself with that shoulder injury. And, and Fox mentioned a little bit after the game that that was a little bit sore. He said after he suffered that injury against the, uh, the I think it was the Oklahoma City Thunder, the next morning he like couldn't lift his arm all the way above his head. Like the shoulder was too tight and too sore. So it's probably a good reason why he didn't play in the, uh, the Kings win over the Utah Jazz. But he's back tonight. He slowly established himself, got himself into a rhythm, and here he is doing what he does, scoring 30 points, which he's averaging 30 a game, and leading the Kings in scoring even on a night where it didn't feel like it. On top of that, 10 of 19 from the field, five rebounds, six assists, three steals, only one turnover. It's not a triple-double like DeMontis Sabonis, but De'Aaron Fox is all over the stat line. He continues to not only be the leading scorer and playing at an MVP level with his scoring, but making the winning plays for the rest of his team, getting his teammates involved, which is something he loves to do. We talk about DeMontis Sabonis making the right play. De'Aaron Fox is always making the right play too. Now, typically the right play is him going and getting his shot and scoring because that's what the Kings need from him. But the right play is also recognizing, hey, Defense is focusing so much on me. Let me get Keegan involved. Let me get Kevin involved. Let me find Malik. Let me find Sabonis. Let me return the favor a little bit. And he's crashing the board. He's playing excellent defense. uh, And he's taking care of the basketball too. And for someone who plays as aggressively and as quickly, obviously the pace of De'Aaron is second to none for him to not turn over the ball, which he's been doing pretty much for the majority of the season, a really good job taking care of the basketball. That's just icing on top of the De'Aaron Fox cupcake. Keegan Murray tonight. 25 points, 9 of 17 from the field, 4 of 7 from three-point range. That means he's got 16 threes over the last two games, just absolutely crazy. Five rebounds, four assists, one steal. 
It's certainly not as loud of a stat line and as great of a stat line as the 47-point night he had against Utah where he hit 12 threes, right? So maybe that's kind of the reason for why I felt this was like a ho-hum game for Keegan, but I don't mean that as a negative, right? I think some people are going to interpret it that way, but that's not what I mean at all. Keegan Murray having a ho-hum game that's 25 points, and when he reached the 20-point mark, I looked up at the scoreboard, and I was like, oh, Keegan has 20. Like, kind of the same way I looked up at the scoreboard and went, oh, De'Aaron Fox has 30. Like, if that's the kind of guy that Keegan Murray can become, if a 20-point night for Keegan is like, yep, par for the course, that's what this man does, and it's starting to be 15, 16, 17 points, yep, that's what this man does, he gets that into the 20s, we're talking about someone who's probably on the cusp, if not a fringe all-star player. We're talking about the third piece of the big three, which the Sacramento Kings believe that Keegan can be. And remember, he's just in his second season in the league, while also being one of the best defenders on this Kings team. A whole hum 25-point game for Keegan Murray is not an insult. It's not me saying, man, he, he could have done more or should have done more. It's Keegan is so good that he can have nights like this without grabbing everybody's attention and making it very clear that he's the guy. Very A perfect comparison is the Utah Jazz game from a couple nights ago. right? Keegan doesn't have to be the center of attention. Keegan doesn't have to hunt his shot. He only took, what did he take? 17 shots tonight. I mean, it's a decent amount of shots, but it wasn't like he was chucking and always looking for a shot. Now, what's great, too, is, is Keegan is not just relying on catch-and-shoot three-pointers the same way he got the majority of his offense last season. He's attacking the basket. He's looking for that mid-range game when he needs to. Like, he's stepping up as a go-to scorer for the Kings and at times is capable of getting the Kings a bucket when Fox is off the floor or has a double team or there's a lot of attention on him. So there's progress there. But a ho-hum game for Keegan Murray tonight, being 20-plus points, it's not a negative thing by any means. It just means this is what he's capable of doing, and he's already showing that at a high level in just his second year in the league. On top of that, I got this stat from Frankie Cardicelli, which Frankie does a phenomenal job posting stats. Uh, he, he, he does amazing work covering the Kings, uh, the Kings insider for Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio. Frankie tweeted this out. And it doesn't surprise me at all. When Keegan scores 20 or more points, he's done it 18 times in his career. The Kings are 17-1 and one in those 18 games. Just goes to show you how good the Sacramento Kings will be with Keegan playing that well. And uh, just a, 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 for good measure, just a reminder, Kings aren't trading Keegan Murray. Okay, you got that? Just want to make that perfectly clear. Let's talk about the supporters, too. Harrison Barnes had another good game. 19 points, 8 of 11 shooting from the field, also had a steal. Sure, zero rebounds, zero assists. I know some people are going to comment on that and complain about that, and yes, I understand. I've been critical of that, too, and I would love for Harrison to be grabbing more rebounds and being more involved in that sense, but here he is scoring 19 points on a game where, again, the Kings are not drawing up plays for, for Harrison. He's just scoring within the flow of the offense. Really, over the last five games, Harrison's been pretty solid. He does have a couple stinkers in there, like the two-point game against the L.A. Clippers, where the Kings, in general, were really, really bad. But over these last five games, he's averaging 11 points per game. He's shooting 56% from the field, 47% from three-point range, 100% from the free-throw line. Only two rebounds a game, but again, not ideal, but we can live with it a little bit. I would like to see, I, I mean, I think he's more than capable of averaging 11 points and four or five rebounds a game over the course of the season, not just over a five-game sample size. But 
Harrison deserves the credit when it's due, and especially in these last two games, but overall, over this five-game stretch where the Kings are 4-1, and one, Harrison has been making a noticeable impact as a scorer, as a supporting scorer with this Kings team right now, and it's great to see. Also, Kevin Herter, 11 points tonight, 4 of 8 shooting from the field, 1 of 4 from three-point range, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. He had a transition dunk that uh, got the entire bench up rooting for him and, and, and laughing and having a good time. It, I thought it was his steal, but they gave the steal, I think, to De'Aaron Fox or somebody else, even though he knocked the ball away. He ran coast-to-coast, threw it down uh, with Kyle Kuzma trailing him. Love to see that effort from uh, from Kevin. So he had that kind of fun moment. But once again, out of the starting five, who all finished in double figures, by the way, Kevin had the fewest number of points. Now, I was thinking about this because I'm like, okay, it feels like Kevin's in a slump again. But it also doesn't feel like Kevin is getting the opportunity that he was when he was out of his slump in late November right? When he was shooting the ball really, really well. So I went through and looked at the numbers. There were only two games in December out of eight, only two games where he shot 10 or more times. For someone who is as pure and elite a shooter as Kevin Herter is, who is as important to the spacing of the Sacramento Kings offense and who gets as many touches as Kevin gets naturally in the flow of the offense, that number is really, really low. But I'm not holding that against Kevin. Would I like to see him shoot more? Absolutely. His shooting percentages from the field and from three-point range are down this month. So he's not getting the pass. But I think Kevin also deserves a little bit of credit because over this month of December, Keegan Murray's getting better, right? Harrison Barnes is scoring more like we just laid out. De'Aaron's continuing to do his thing. DeMontis Sabonis, like tonight, is flirting with 30 points. Malik Monk has been balling off of the bench. Like, we talked about this before. There's only so many shots to go around. So credit to Kevin Herter for recognizing that he's in a slump partially because he's just not shooting the ball a lot. But he's not forcing his way into the offense. He's not forcing shots. He's still taking what the flow of the offense gives him. And when he needs to be passive and get other players involved who are playing better, he does so without complaint. That is why Kevin Herter is such a great shooting guard for this Kings team. And then there's Malik Monk tonight. 10 points, 3 of 6 shooting from 3-point range, 6 assists, 1 turnover. Monk, not nearly the offensive night that he's been having as of late. Not nearly the offensive night that he's capable of. And more often than not this season, the Kings have needed 15, 16, 17, 18-plus points from Malik to win a game. Tonight, Kings didn't need it. Those other guys that I mentioned have been playing well. The Kings' big three were playing well. So what did Monk do? He continued to get involved with distribution, passing the ball, getting his teammates involved. He took the threes and took the shots when they were available to him. Three of six from three-point range. His catch-and-shoot three-point percentage continues to just be astronomical this year. But he didn't force anything. He played a supportive role. That's what's so cool about this Kings team, that guys can have massive nights one night, but every night they are willing to make the right play for the team in that given matchup. I do have a little more to say about Malik Monk, but I'll get to that after I tell you more about FanDuel, another great sponsor here of the Locked on Kings podcast. Like I mentioned, it's rainy and stormy outside in Sacramento. The weather is cooling down, but action is heating up on FanDuel here for the NBA season, and especially for the NFL season. We're getting closer and closer to the playoffs and Super Bowl time. FanDuel is going crazy right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. Your team wins. You get $150. 50 bucks in bonus bets. No questions asked. 
Pick a team that's a heavy favorite. Put five bucks down. They win. There's the money you made from that bet, plus 150 on top of that for you to bet spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to do so. FanDuel has the best lines, the money line, the, 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 the point spreads, fun side bets and prop bets involving Kings players. You can bet on Malik Monk winning sixth man of the year. You can bet on the Sacramento Kings winning the Pacific Division, winning the Western Conference, making it all the way to the championship, and winning the championship if you want to. And if you hit that, you're going to make a lot of money right now as, uh, as of now on FanDuel. FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So going back to Malik Monk real quick, trades, like trade season is beginning. It feels like trade season is starting. The trade deadline's still a couple of months away, but it's going to start to heat up and you're going to see reports and smoke screens and this and that. And I'm going to reiterate how I think the Kings are going to approach the trade deadline here in just a little bit, and I've talked about this before, and I think it's 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 bummed some of you out before, and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, apparently there was a lot of chatter on, on Kings' social media circles about different moves that the Sacramento Kings can make, and apparently there was chatter about going after Zach Levine. Now, Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote an article where he mentioned Levine in, in Kings' conversations and the Kings might potentially be interested uh, in the, uh, the all-star shooting guard from the Chicago Bulls. I personally, like as much as I like Levine and would love to have seen what a, a Levine and Fox backcourt could look like, I don't think he's he. I don't think he makes any sense for the Kings at this point. I just don't. I just don't think it makes sense. I don't think it's going to work. That being said, there was conversation about I guess who's better, Zach Levine or Malik Monk. Now, in a nutshell, Levine's had a better career than Malik has, right? But. I don't think this is a crazy take at all. Some people think it is. Some people agree with me that I've talked about. Who would you rather have for the Sacramento Kings, Zach Levine or Malik Monk? For me, it's Malik every day of the week because of what Malik provides for this Kings team. He's willing to come off the bench. He's willing to provide a facilitator and pass a role. Now, Zach Levine's not terrible. It's not like he ball, uh, he's a ball hog that doesn't pass the ball, but Malik is clearly essential to what the Sacramento Kings do here. Plus, one of the things I'd be concerned about with acquiring a player like Levine who likes to have the ball in their hands and likes to put up a lot of shots is how do you insert them into the Sacramento Kings uh, offense where, like we have just talked about, there are nights where Kevin Herter is not taking a lot of shots even though he should. There are nights where... Malik Monk is not taking a lot of shots even though he should, right? I'm taking Malik Monk over Zach Levine every single day of the week for this Kings team. Absolutely. And I don't think that's an absurd thing to say, but I want to hear from you. How do you feel about that? You can hit me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But to, to reiterate, as of now, how I think trade season is going to go for the Sacramento Kings. Monty McNair and the Kings are not going to be complacent. Let me make that very clear. They recognize that they're probably still a piece away from being a true contender, right? So Monty is always going to keep his eyes open. He always has. He's been very consistent with that since he took over the Kings when they were terrible. So Monty is going to be on the phone. He's going to be calling. He's going to be talking to different general managers. He's going to see what's available. But it takes two to tango, right? And I just don't see too many scenarios where the Kings are going to get the type of player, the difference maker that they are looking for to help them truly become a contender without giving up more than what they're comfortable giving up. Like, 
Again, Keegan Murray's off the table. De'Aaron Fox, Demonta Sabonis, they're not going anywhere. Malik Monk, not going anywhere. Maybe Kevin Herter's involved in the conversation. Maybe Harrison Barnes, maybe Davion Mitchell. I don't know how much of a return you're going to get for two of the three of those guys. Maybe Monty's not afraid to break into the treasure trove of draft picks and, and throw two or three picks at a team to go and get a player like Lowry Markinen or go and get a player like an OG Ananobi. I have no idea. I know for a fact that Monty is not going to make a move for the sake of making a move, and if he's willing to mortgage the future of the Kings, if he's willing to sell the future of the Kings and go deep into his bag with draft picks and, and make a move that could uh, potentially handicap this team for years to come, he's not going to do that without as close to certainty as he can have that the move that he's making is one, going to be beneficial for the Kings window to win right now. And two, they're going out and getting a player that is not just going to leave in a year or two, right? That's what concerns me about like an OG, right? That's what could be concerning about going and getting a DeMar DeRozan who's on the last year of his contract. So I, at this point in time, it could change at this point in time. I just feel like, the Kings might make minor moves, but overall, they are going to bring the same core into the playoffs that they did last year, and they'll see how it does. Assume that their improvements this year will be enough to get them out of the first round, get them into the second round, see how they fare there, and make decisions next offseason based off of how that all went, bringing back Malik Monk, maybe moving on from Harrison, whatever it may be. That's the context that I think the Kings are going to get before they make another big splash move. I could be wrong. That's just my gut feeling at this point. The conversations that I've had, me kind of reading the tea leaves here in Sacramento, that's what I think is going to happen. Doesn't mean the Kings won't make a move. If something becomes available and Monty jumps on it, good for him. He's not staying complacent. But he's not just going to make a move for the sake of making a move. I appreciate your support here, as always, on the Locked on Kings podcast. Got to meet uh, a handful of you here at the Kings game tonight. It's been awesome. It's one of my favorite parts about extended homestands is so many nights here in this building. Feels like every night or every other night I'm here inside the Golden 1 Center getting to interact with you Kings fans. You're phenomenal. You never cease to amaze me with how well you support this team, how loud it gets in this building. Tonight we had a, let's just say enthusiastic, uh, kids choir singing the national anthem. Little, little off key, and uh, the Kings crowd not only cheered them on throughout all of it, they joined the choir in singing the national anthem at the end. Just a cool moment. I mean, Sacramento's just special. You know that. You know how much I will always talk up and, and hype up Sacramento to anybody and everybody who's willing to listen. And I'm grateful that you and so uh, many others are willing to listen to this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.